This is John Jackson Miller, author of Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, Knight Errant, Lost Tribe of the Sith, A New Dawn, Canto Bite, and Kenobi, and you're listening to The Living Force. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. Hello there. A Utini Podcast Network production. Taking your first step into a larger world. Episode 163, Kenobi Crossover. Chancellor Palpatine, Sith Lords are our speciality. On this episode, Attack of the Clones turns 20. Scrabble Code 5 course, care of the old folks home. The cover for The Princess and the Scoundrel is revealed. Your move. And the Utini crew shares their thoughts about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Hello there! And welcome to the Living Force Podcast, the Utini Network Podcast, and the beginning of our first ever Kenobi Week. We are so happy to be with you here tonight to talk all about all things Obi-Wan Kenobi in a character spotlight episode. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me to celebrate the man, the myth, the canon for tonight, if you will, is my full crew, including Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, buddy. Happy Kenobi Week. Happy Kenobi Week, everyone. It is exciting to be here. It's exciting to uh, kick off a time with such a... Loving character. Oh, I don't have it, Eric. You had it. I don't have it. <laughs> I did. But oh my goodness, thank you to Alan Vaughn for the super chat who says, Happy Kenobi Week. You're finishing up Kenobi before starting Brotherhood. We love nice, the Legends nice. canon both. And you are so right. There is no such thing as too much Obi Wan or Star Wars. And who knows that better than the number one Obi Wan fan in this or any other galaxy, Dr. Master Charles Hankel? Oh. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's my cue. I like him so much. I like Kenobi <laughs> so much, I even dress like him tonight. I broke out the Jedi robes, guys. These don't fit as well as they once did. They're probably every bit as wrinkled as Obi-Wan's real robes were after a few weeks on Tatooine. But, you know, uh, it's an exciting time. I had to go for it. It's so exciting, actually. Look at this. I tried to be cool. This is the story of my life. I tried to be cool. I grabbed my Obi-Wan lightsaber to bring it over here. I flipped it in the air. I caught it, and then the top of the hill broke off. <laughs> oh, no! So, oh, no! great way to start Kenobi Week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It is broken, but it still represents greatness. Just like the soul and personality of Wes Jenkins. What's up, dude? Hey, happy Kenobi Week, everybody. Merry Kenobi Week. And I wore the only shirt that I think has anything to do with Obi-Wan. Because he says the word Alderaan in A New Hope. <laughs> that is can't not wrong. I had a weird I moment realizing that I don't have any Obi-Wan specific shirts uh, for this show. So, Charles, I'm glad you're making up for it with Fix your that. love of the character. And to all of you watching live, all of you listening later in the week, I hope you're having a great Kenobi week, a great Kenobi day, however you're choosing to celebrate. Uh, maybe you're celebrating by watching, oh, I don't know, Attack of the Clones, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary today. Guys, 20 years since Attack of the Clones this day. How does that make you feel in your soul that it's 20 years old? It makes me feel nothing. <laughs> like usual. All right, that makes okay. sense. Forever young. That's what it makes me feel. Like. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
Um, I have a uh, I have a strong sentimental attachment to Attack of the Clones, so that is exciting. I didn't realize it was, this was today at all, and you, I didn't know yeah. that until you told us right before the show, Eric. How have I missed that? It's, yeah. it's crazy. There's too know. much stuff happening this month. There's too many great things in Star Wars to forget. Yeah, I think that that was, even uh, even though obviously The Phantom Menace was the the start of the prequels in a new era of Star Wars, I kind of feel like it was also a... a a rebirth with attack of the clones because that's when like the hardcore Jedi stuff, the lightsaber battles, all that like really, really took off. I know the mall yeah. battle was fantastic, but like we'd never seen more than like three lightsabers in one scene before yeah. until right, yeah. attack of the clones. Yeah. <laughs> it really started a whole new thing. And I mean, if any of you have been following online today, or if you're listening to this later earlier in the week, I highly recommend the Star Wars official Twitter account today because they put up a bunch of really cool articles and interviews with folks who worked on the film, including our beloved Hayden Christensen, did a really like candid emotional interview, which I thought was lovely. He talked about the moment when he got cast as Anakin, uh, and he and his roommate had an imaginary lightsaber fight in their kitchen because he was so stoked about it, and he beat out, I think, over a thousand other actors for it uh there's an interview with the costumer that talks about especially making all padme's looks it's been really nice to kind of see the the interviews with the folks 20 years after the fact to see really how much has happened and i agree with you too charles that this for me as a kid this was my favorite prequel for a while i think that this just really opened up a lot of those doors like you're saying with all the jedi all the lightsabers and that Yoda igniting his lightsaber is still one of my favorite moments of watching a Star Wars movie in a theater. And I think it just changed so much. But, of course, we all know the most important thing is the Kenobi mullet. I mean, it birthed the <laughs> magnificent mane that are, that so many people put on their and, grandma's haciendas. And his fake beard for those few reshoot yes! scenes, which I, yes. need, I need one of those tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Well, congratulations to Attack of the Clones and a happy late birthday to the maker himself who made Attack of the Clones this past week. George Lucas just celebrated his birthday. Um, I mean, what else is there to say? He's, he's George Lucas. Thanks Heard for being him? a patron, George. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being a fan. Thanks for, for checking in. Uh, we love you so much. And, of course, if you're here, we're not only celebrating George. We're not only celebrating Attack of the Clones. But as we've been saying, we're celebrating Obi-Wan all week long. This is our first kind of official Utini crossover event across all of our different shows that we have each week, including the Cosmic Force on Wednesday, that's doing from the Journal of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Legends Look Back on Thursday, which is doing the Kenobi book, Game Nights on Friday, which is going to feature Wes using bubble gum and paper clips and HDMI cables tied together with shoestring to play the original Obi-Wan game on an Xbox, and then, of course, the Star Wars Archives that's coming out on <coughs> Sunday. With, a be- with the Ben years, and we got a little surprise for you of our own on Sunday as well that leads into the Obi-Wan show. So, I mean, what better character to start this with than Obi-Wan Kenobi? And a special shout-out to our very own Jared in the chat, who had kind of engendered this whole thing, who got said, hey, we want to do this. Jared, do you want to coordinate every live show together to make sure that we can do this correctly? And I'm very excited to do this for the first time. Thank you, man, and thank you all. But mostly thank you to our lovely patrons in the Utini Patreon community. We want to thank Matthew Mislensky, who became an annual patron this past Thursday. Thank you so much. It helps us plan our whole year. And it especially helps us as we plan Star Wars Celebration, which is in haha, a week and a half. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, nope, that just shorted out for a moment. That's kind of scary, but very exciting. <laughs> right, guys? 
Yes, it's gonna I can't. be great. Are we gonna have? I can't believe it's happening. Every single time I like, we're like still tying up like a few small loose ends for all the stuff that Utini's doing, and uh, it's a lot to take in. And uh, you know, it's gonna be a big week celebration. Yeah, I already feel like and we're gonna all forget all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So whatever yes. local store is going to be near the Anaheim Convention Center is probably going to get yeah. hundreds of dollars. Just, just tell oh, yeah. money. Keep the company credit card on file or something for the event. Save your receipts. Oh, that's I know. it. Save your receipts. Everybody yeah. remember, uh, if you're any kind of performer, write it off in your taxes. Anyway, thank you to our Patreon community. That is going to allow our booth to look great, our panel to go great, everything else. We love you all so much. We hope you're enjoying all these additive stuff we do. And, of course, post-celebration, we're going to have so much content coming your way uh, in all different forums. And, of course, we'll do a little something special for the patrons as well. All right. On that, we have only one, but one very important little piece of news in our Star Wars Weekly Roundup. It's the Star Wars Weekly Roundup. Star Wars books. They keep making them. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> we have, which is my introduction to the one piece of news we got this week. And it was book focused. It's not always. Uh, but we got officially a cover reveal for The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Revis. The art here is by Oliver Cuthbertson. And it shows Han and Leia uh, in a very, like, almost 90s-esque romantic courtship of Princess Leia cover for the upcoming romance novel that's going to chronicle their wedding. And, uh, guys, I'm a big fan. I love yeah. this cover a lot. Huge fan. The color scheme is phenomenal. I love this. The teals and the blues with the uh, sort of light color background. I mean, it looks fantastic. Like, this looks yeah. awesome. Is that the Halcyon in the background, too? It is there? the Halcyon. I, I really yeah. hope that the first three chapters are Han and Leia pulling a, a job to steal 18,000 credits so they can afford to go on the Halcyon. <laughs> I think that'd be kind yes. of fun. Accurate. Um, but yeah, it's the Halcyon Legacy, so they'll definitely be, uh, for those of you that are lucky enough to go there, I, I've, I've heard there's already like little Easter eggs on the vessel that will appear in the book, that's and that's, that's pretty great. Yeah, that's I'm sick. very excited for this Fantastic. book. Corey, you've Strong, been saying uh, we need more romance. Yeah, I have, although I will say, we're going to talk about Brotherhood at, at some point probably tonight, there is a little bit of romance in Brotherhood, and it's, uh, it's real good. It's real good. It's pretty spicy. I like it. <laughs> yes. Some implied things. It is. Let you can let your mind wander. Exactly. As you should. And I, I, I have a feeling that the princess and the scoundrel, um, you know, we, we don't know any things for sure yet. I think it might be a little less imagination involved in this one. Yeah. That's uh, true. <laughs> it does have, uh, on everything. It has, it has pretty strong courtship of Princess Leia vibes as well, yeah. which is a less good romance novel in Star Wars. Less good. Corey <laughs> Less Halston. good. There you go. Well, that, and you know, if we if we get, get quoted on the back of one of those paperbacks, <laughs> less <Okay>. good. <laughs> Utini. <laughs> and Beth Revis. I like the way these guys think. <laughs> Beth Revis wrote Rebel Rising, right? That was She did. Yeah, and that had yeah. some some interesting spiciness. moments yeah. as well yeah spiciness yeah spicy well. moments as well which was uh i loved that book actually Rebel rising loved was that fantastic and yep. uh somebody said something funny in discord or slack or somewhere i saw this week we're like yeah i really love the romantic parts of those books and i replied with yeah when saw guerrera machine guns the entire party is super romantic <laughs> <laughs> adorable if you yeah, ever wanted to see a, uh, if you ever wanted to see the famous Call of Duty level, uh, no Russian in a Star Wars book, it is in that book, and it's Saw Gerrera who pulls wow. the trigger. So that's fun. Yeah. Spoiler, spoiler there, but if yeah. that doesn't make you want to read it, I don't know what will. 
Anyway, that romance novel is coming out at the end of this year. Um, I will say one cool thing about about Princess and the Scoundrel is that I don't quote me on this, but I think in canon, I believe this is our first like romance centric novel that's actually an adult novel. This is from Del Rey. This isn't a, a YA oh, that's Lucas a, film. That's a good point. That's a good point. Brotherhood yeah, is, like, is adult also, but it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not marketing pitch as a romantic novel for sure. Right, but like Lost Stars <laughs> and Crash of Fate, I think are our two most romantic books we've yeah, gotten so far, and those were both true. YA. And I, don't know, I love those books, but yeah, I'm very excited for Princess and the Scoundrel. Cover art's amazing. I'm glad we're hearing more about these artists as well. Um, shout out to the honestly, the Star Wars social team has been killing it lately on every platform, but they've really been crediting the artists a lot in a lot of these covers, a lot of this concept art. We love to see it. And, of course, if you want to pick up The Princess and the Scoundrel, you can go to the Utini release schedule, and that comes out on August 16th. But, of course, if you need books before that, if you haven't picked up Brotherhood yet, you gotta. Have you? Have you really? Are you lying to me? Come on. Brotherhood's <laughs> out right now. Shadow of the Sith comes out on June 28th. And Padawan, speaking of Obi-Wan himself, comes out on July 26th. All those pre-orders are available right now. You want to get them day of release to join in the community. Again, all these books are going to have channels in our Discord so you can share spoiler-filled and spoiler-free thoughts as long as you're using those little spoiler bars with the community. Have some fun. Share books with your friends. All right. So that's it. Light week for Star Wars uh, because we're about to get absolutely crushed by all things Star Wars in the next couple weeks. But that allows us to take a lot of time tonight to dive right into our Kenobi character spotlight and y'all i can think of no better way to start this kenobi week and start the spotlight than by going over to our buddy dr charles hankel who did dress up for tonight as we said and charles i just want to give you the floor for a bit why do you love obi-wan kenobi wow how much time do we have uh, 40 minutes <laughs> okay well y'all Ser- seriously this that. is a this is a bit of like a running joke on the show and uh, i think you have like had a had at least one really good monologue where you've gone over this before charles but like for anybody maybe that's been listening not been listening very long like i would really love for you to take literally as long as you want right now and explain this because we joke about this a lot and i don't know that we've really let everybody in on it that well yeah well so it's kind of I could go a lot of different ways with explaining why I love Obi-Wan, but ultimately I think it comes down to his core characteristics and and some of the moments that we see from him, specifically I think throughout the prequels, a little bit in the original trilogy. But I think what it comes down to is even though the Jedi have flaws, we see Obi-Wan really devote himself to a cause. Uh, one that he really believes in um, and and one that is not just something that he believes in, but one that he thinks is bettering the galaxy. Like he truly tries to be the best Jedi that that he can be. And we know, of course, that there are flaws that come along with that. And Obi-Wan, he had a lot of those flaws. Like he's not a perfect character by any means. He's a very flawed character. But the thing that's really interesting about him is we get to see him choose essentially his punishment if you will um he understands the mistakes he made he does not shy away from them he owns them entirely and he decides not to just you know let what happened happen and 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 kind of let the situation get out of hand he decides i'm going to do anything that i can to 
make up for the mistakes that I know I've made. He spends however many years, do the math, in the deserts of Tatooine, and it turned him into a shriveled old Sir Alec Guinness. Absolutely. Um, that sounds brutal, man. It is. <laughs> and, and he watched over Luke. Not just the person. I mean, Luke was not certainly the hope of the galaxy. We know that, that Yoda and Obi-Wan thought that he was, but they didn't know that for a fact. Uh, so he essentially sat there in that desert, protected this young kid who maybe, just maybe, was going to one day atone for the mistakes that he made. And he also knew that he might not even live to see that day come. In fact, he, he didn't really live to see that day come. He laid down his life to allow Luke the opportunity to continue growing into that hope for the future of the galaxy. So... What I'm getting at is I think that Obi-Wan's entire character arc is really admirable. I think if those of us in real life exhibit a lot of the decisions and characteristics that he had, most notably the self-sacrifice and the willingness to admit when we're wrong and to not walk away from our mistakes but to try to atone for them how we can, I mean, the world would be a better place if we all acted like that. And so that's why he's always been my hero. Also, he has incredible hair and a, and a fantastic beard. So I got to throw those in there as well. <laughs> Damn! I, I, yeah. don't even, I don't even have to follow that. <clears throat> I, 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 it's great. You know, you, you, everything you said there was, was perfect. And I think one of the things that sums it up so nicely is actually a book that's coming up. Um, that we haven't talked about because it's it's not the kind of book we usually cover on the show, but it's called Be More Obi-Wan, and it's from Kelly Knox, uh, who is a, a lovely part of the Star Wars community. And I think why a book like that can exist is because, you're right, Charles, if everyone was a little more Obi-Wan, we'd all be in a pretty good spot. And I love that we get to see him become that man over time uh, because as we look at Star Wars, Obi-Wan has like a weirdly large amount of content written about him even though it's we start off with his actual death like 10 minutes after we meet him in the first movie retroactively mm-hmm. we've seen him so, through so many phases of his life so what i'd love to do with you guys tonight is go through all those phases and talk about like what are some moments <clears throat> that we just really love what do they tell us about the character as he evolves because as we're looking ahead towards the obi-wan kenobi television series the obi-wan kenobi television series it's just a great thing to say out loud. You know, it just feels really good <laughs> in the mouth. Over again. <laughs> um, as we look ahead towards that, we're going to get so much more, I know. Uh, but let's start, let's start way back when. Let's start in those Padawan days. We're literally getting a book called Padawan later this summer. But even though we don't have that yet, we do have him younger in this book, especially next to me, and in some other things. Uh, Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. A masterpiece, according to our site. One of our favorite books of all time. And, of course, this leads right into The Phantom Menace. And this gives us Obi-Wan as a younger Padawan that is a little bit rebellious against Qui-Gon. So, guys, what is it about this particular version of Obi-Wan Kenobi that really catches you? What do you love about this iteration? I love this book, uh, famously. I read it in (laughs) one sitting. I started it at, like, 6 p.m., and I finished it at, like, 4 in the morning. Like, I didn't stop. I read the whole book in one sitting. It's the only, yeah. I think, the only Star Wars novel I've ever done that with. And uh, I think 
Kenobi is largely the reason it's like that. You just really get in his head, and like I think we got we got a better exploration of the foundational principles that Kenobi has in that book than we did anything else. I mean, it, it talked mm-hmm. about like like should he question the council? Should he question his master? There's all these questions that he asked himself that he ultimately just decided to like. Like he 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 establishes why he believes what he believes in this book, and he sort of you know he sort of betrays his master in in multiple yeah. ways in this kind of book, right? And and like I think that is where we see Obi Wan's principles and his character. I think mm. like it's, it's sort of like the first instance of him really having those. I think in canon. Yeah, yeah, I love that idea because I think that the idea of all of us wanting to be good because Obi Wan wants to be the best Jedi. Like he's very straight yeah. and narrow. And we mm-hmm. see Qui-Gon being like, yeah, man, like he's got to roll with it now and then. And we yeah, kind of right. see him butt up against that. And I think a lot of us, maybe that were, you know, everyone's different. I was definitely the kid that wanted to get all the straight A's and do all the stuff right. And then you meet a person that's like, what if you just like chill for a second? And it's like, right. but no, that's not right. And you see, but you yeah. see how that lets him expand. So Obi-Wan was the, like I said in the, in the text and on the description, he's a quintessential Jedi, right? He yeah. is the, he's the poster boy. He's the model. But then you have Qui-Gon being, eh, why don't you take a little hit of this and tell me how yeah, you feel? Right. Yeah. Real Avros says yeah. take a hit of this. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so don't always go by the book. Yeah. Be mindful of the living force, like he says. So, um, which was interesting because ne- reading the book, it never really hit me until – Obviously, after we talked about it, and then after I listened to the roundtable, and then after I listened or watched the movies, and it finally set in, like, well, Qui-Gon had a different view of the Force. He was trying to get uh, Obi-Wan to to look at a different point right. of view. And it's not just this one tunnel vision. There are other ways to see that. And then we get way seekers and uh, like in the, um, the high Republic era and stuff like that, where they just start seeking all these different areas of the Force that you can look at. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just interesting to see Obi-Wan growing into the Obi-Wan that we know later on. Because he is mm-hmm. he's yeah. different in a lot of ways. I mean, he he kind of acts, though he's on a different part of the spectrum, he kind of acts like Anakin. Like he's rebellious yeah, sure. against his That's master really when later, you know, when he's the master, he's telling Anakin to be mindful and all these things. So it was just kind of interesting to see because we all looking back probably cringe at some old Facebook posts or MySpace posts or whatever. Uh, I, I never, never have. I've always been okay. exactly as I am <laughs> and I've never changed. I'm going to look you up after this. Um, yeah, please but, don't. But uh, Obi-Wan would cringe at probably some of the things that he said in, in Master and Apprentice. So it was fun to just kind of see him grow more into the yeah. Jedi that we know and love. Yeah, and I think that's really cool leading that into Phantom Menace because at first when I watched Phantom Menace, like you said, as a kid, it's like, oh, it's about Anakin and Qui-Gon, and it's, a, it's the prequels, and oh my gosh, this new era. And Obi-Wan's story is is maybe like the C-plot at best. Like, his, his, he's really just kind of in the background of all these of all these happenings. And, and then at the end, with Qui-Gon's death, I think it really sets the tone for o- Obi-Wan's life in a way. Because as we'll talk about in a bit, like he deals with so much loss. I think possibly more loss than anyone in Star Wars. And how he reacts to the first big loss, which be- being Qui-Gon, I think really sets the tone for the rest of his journey as a master, his journey as a general, and all these things. Because he loses his master, the father figure, the mentor, the everything. 
knowing that his master's final thoughts were of Anakin. We're like, train the boy. That's like, which ha one had to be hard to hear of like, right, I'm right sure. here. I've loved you. But realizing <sighs> there is a bigger purpose than just me and I will keep pushing. And I think yeah. the tenacity of Obi-Wan Kenobi got solidified at the end of Phantom Menace. Yeah. Yeah. Look at yeah, the difference. Look at the difference between the first shots that we get of him or some of the earliest ones with him like crashing through the the forest and he's you know yeah. talking smack about Jar Jar and like look at this useless life form and then to the final shots where he's looking over at Anakin at the ceremony and and giving him the nod and he's you can you can just see so much growth in in between those two shots it's really incredible yeah and yeah. Obi Wan and Anakin crashing through the forest. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> Which get perfectly takes us through. Um, to, uh, there's a lot of great uh, time with Anakin and Obi Wan, right? Like the beginning of the Master Apprentice relationship. We don't get as much of it in canon left. There's a really great comic uh, that I know our friends in the Cosmic Force love uh, called Obi Wan and Anakin. Uh, but the Basically, we go from Phantom Menace, we take a little chunk, and then we get to Attack with the Clones. And, uh, I mean, again, the famous mullet. We get him and Anakin looking great. Look at that. Look at the majesty. Where are you going, Master? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I know. For, For a, a drink. drink. What a drink. <laughs> and, I, and I love this, this Obi-Wan, too, because now we go into the Master Obi-Wan section, right? And we get him being a great mentor. There's a little Qui-Gon in there, like the, like the, the for a drink, the playfulness, right? But there's also that by the book guy, like that, yeah. that chase in Attack of the Clones. We, all, we Speaking of the anniversary, one of my favorite scenes in that movie, because Obi-Wan is teaching throughout the whole thing. Like, Anakin, don't do that. Shortcut was dumb. Hold on. <laughs> Here's your lightsaber. Can you, right. dude, relax. I'm getting a beer. Go, don't kill anyone. You know, and then he, and then he one's going to kill trick. me. Yeah. It's just so fun to see that transition and like see him become the teacher that I think now he wishes he had had. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Which that, of course, gets destroyed as the Clone Wars break out. And we get the, the, the version of Obi-Wan that actually has the most screen time is General Kenobi. Hello there. Right. I mean, that's it's interesting, Wars. right? To think of all of his, most of his screen time is animated. Yep. And then a lot of the, a lot of the action scenes, a lot of the dialogue that we've seen grow between Anakin and Obi Wan was in an animated series. Yeah. You can see how Anakin grows and how powerful Anakin becomes, and how he kind of overtakes Obi Wan. And sometimes that Obi Wan lets him in other in other yep. ways. It's really yep. cool to see. It's a, I mean, it's a great. All the arcs and then in the Clone Wars are great. So. I mean, if they could have made that into a miniseries, like a miniseries, like real time for what, how many episodes is the Clone Wars? A uh, hundred? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Call it the Kenobi edit. Just edit together all the, oh my God, all the Kenobi all stuff. The, all the Clone Wars. Yeah. It's just Obi-Wan and Anakin and their like trajectory through the Clone Wars. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I guess I want to ask you guys, you guys that, too, as we're on the General Kenobi topic. In the Clone Wars as a whole, what do you think we learn the most about Obi-Wan? Because like the movies before, Obi-Wan is never quite in the spotlight. He has a couple arcs, but for the most part, it's it's the Anakin-Ahsoka relationship is kind of the primary. And then you have Anakin and Obi-Wan learning, and Obi-Wan's kind of the third wheel to this new relationship as he and Anakin are knights, right? There's no master-apprentice relationship anymore. What do you learn about 
Obi-Wan now not being moored to an apprentice, either being one or having one. In the in the Clone Wars specifically, you mean? Yeah, yeah, we'll do that right now. I think uh, I think that dynamic is super super interesting. That's one of the big reasons I'm enjoying Brotherhood so much. You know, obviously no spoilers, but you know the the they're on the cover. They're on the cover, yeah. right? So obviously the yeah. book has has a lot to do with Anakin and Obi Wan. And you know, I think uh, I think by the time we get the Clone Wars TV show, it's long hair Anakin, as I like to say. That's how you establish yeah. <laughs> where we are in the Star Wars yep. timeline. It's long hair Anakin and short hair Obi Wan, right? Yeah. Um, by the time you get there, it's like. Anakin's been on his own for a little while now, you know, several months at least, right? And mm-hmm. uh, you know, Obi-Wan has to sort of struggle with the fact that he was, in a lot of ways, Anakin's father. And, mm-hmm. like, they bickered a lot the way that father-son does to some degree, right? So, yeah. you know, I think I think that, that, that element of the relationship is fascinating. And I've always loved the Anakin-Obi-Wan because it's like, and sometimes they're like, it's like a parent-like relationship, but other times it's like a brother-like relationship. And Obi-Wan feels later on that it's more like a brother relationship. Obviously, it's in the Attack of the Clone. I mean, uh, Revenge of the Sith, right? So, yeah, uh, I think their dynamic specifically is one of the reasons that, that Obi-Wan is so well-developed. It, uh, it, it makes the weight of Anakin's fall that much more, like because it's on Obi-Wan's right. shoulders, right? So, yeah, yeah, Charles, we have talked a lot about you and your love, obviously, but how do you feel about James Arnold Taylor as far as, like, that shift when he brought, when he took over for Ewan for like all those years. I was totally fine with it. I mean, I, I think that James Arnold Taylor did a fantastic job and he, he didn't like necessarily do something totally different than Ewan. He, he kind of like took that Obi-Wan <laughs> accent and cadence and almost like turned it up a notch. Like it, it was, yeah, it was almost true. like over the top, but it played well <laughs> in to that. 11. Yeah, right. exactly. But it played well in that format in that animated format. Cause it felt like everything was a little bit intensified. Like look at Count Dooku's face. I mean like everything was intensified, <laughs> Incredible. right? Spectacular. So no, I, I loved, <laughs> I loved James Arnold Taylor. Um, and I think he did a great job and I would be totally fine with him voicing the character moving forward in anything that he could yeah. as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And one of the things that I really love about that and Brotherhood, uh, to your point, Corey, again, no no spoilers in it, but there's a really nice evolution of Obi-Wan and Anakin realizing that, like, huh, all right, we I can't just order you around to do stuff now. And, oh, yeah, right, I'm not going to just come to you for everything. Like, there's a mentorship element, but they both kind of have to realize that they're equals. And I love that struggle. And, and, and Mike Chen in Brotherhood really does write that very well. <clears throat> And in the Clone Wars, I do love that there's like the uh, you know the reticence from Obi Wan to be like Anakin, oh no, but it's like yeah. your buddy did something stupid as opposed to oh I gotta go save my kid, and right. that mm-hmm. push and pull again is Obi Wan letting go. You know he let go of Qui Gon too early, so I think it was nice to watch him have seven seasons to like slowly let Anakin become his own man, which again the tragedy being the second that Anakin finally self-actualizes and becomes the Jedi that Obi-Wan always kind of knew he could be is right. immediately before the fall. Yeah. Yeah. And I like yeah, that you brought true. up the, the fatherly kind of aspect of it too, because I agree there definitely is a, a father son dynamic as well as a brother dynamic between the two characters. And for those of us that are, you know, our age and, and any of our listeners that are around there, you probably know that like, as you get older, your parents kind of more so become your peers and and kind of tend to become more so 
friends or companions than like parents. Like, yeah, you can always go to them with things. And, and Anakin does that with Obi-Wan for a lot of things. Right. I mean, he doesn't tell him about his marriage and, you know, how he became a Sith apprentice and all that. But <laughs> you don't tell your parents everything either. Um, yeah. but the, <laughs> one but of there those is, is a slightly bigger secret than the other. I'm going to yeah, say, you know, but, the, but there is that dynamic. There is that, okay, now we're more of equals now, you know, now we're more of right. friends and that's really interesting. And Obi-Wan is always kind of defined by the relationships around him because we've talked about that Anakin relationship, especially in the Clone Wars TV series. But what about the Duchess Satine relationship? Because that Let's was a it. huge reveal for the Clone Wars TV series. I, oh God, all the Satine stuff is so great. And I, I mean, I, we joined the chorus of folks that hope we get the actual story of yeah. Obi-Wan and Satine, you know, being yeah, for childhood sure. romance at some point. But I, I agree, Charles, that, that brings us back to our loss, right? Like the loss of Qui-Gon and then it's going to spoilers for Clone Wars, spoilers for Clone Wars. It's been up for many years. We're doing an Obi-Wan show. Um, <laughs> like losing, losing Satine is also, I think, such a hardship because the animators in this point, like technically when they sculpted the mold of his face when he loses Satine, you can see him being like, not again. Yeah. Like I, this was not supposed to happen to me again. And it's like, what do you think the doubling of that tragedy does to Obi-Wan? Because we know we're going to talk about it. This happens a couple more times in his life somehow. Yeah, but true. what is, what do you think the second time you lose someone that you've loved for decades? Like, what does that do to you as a man? What does that do to him as a Jedi? Can't, you can't say that it gets easier, right? No. I mean, the first time's devastating. The second time, <laughs> you question. I would say you question everything. You wouldn't be mm-hmm. it's like, I can't believe this happened again. Yes, but how? Yeah. I've learned so much from the first time. I've applied all those teachings, and it happened again. Yeah. Where did I go wrong? Then you start. He starts questioning himself. Yeah. Starts questioning his teachings and what he's been teaching to others. Like, like Anakin. Has he been teaching Anakin wrong? Because he's been trying to be this quintessential Jedi, but yeah. all of a sudden he has this second person that dies on him. Well, dies on him, but gets killed. Sorry. Yeah. No, she actually <laughs> she literally dies, dies on, on him. him. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's true. That's yeah, actually right. true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's but, all yeah. in that line, right? Of like, if you had said the word, I would have left the Jedi Order. And oh how does God, he have that, that point was... where he's like, God, if I had taken the initiative and we had left, she'd be alive. There's no way he doesn't think that. And you know, I think it's really telling that he says that to her before she dies because you know there's a lot he left unsaid to Qui-Gon when he was literally yes. holding him in the same way so while the loss doesn't get any easier and it's always fresh because it's always different it's always a, a new loss a new hole in your life you do learn to lose and what he clearly learned from Qui-Gon is what he should have said and he and he mm. chose to do that with Satine well because you know who he tells everything to it's Anakin on Mustafar. I mean, yeah. he goes from saying nothing to Qui-Gon to saying something to Satine to literally saying, you are my brother. I love you. Like, he tells him wow. everything because he's like, "I'm the third time, I am not going to be silent about my feelings. I, this is horrible, but he needs to know I loved him before he dies. Yeah. Even though he's a Sith, even though it's Vader, even though the galaxy is crumbling, he has learned now. I need to tell this man I love him because I didn't get to say it twice. And the grief in his voice that you hear in that scene when he's standing on the lava bank, the loss of Satine is in there. The loss of Qui-Gon is in there. It's that 
it's that thought of how is this happening again? Like yeah. you, you feel all of that. Uh, the delivery of those lines is some of my favorite in all of Star Wars. Obviously, it's one of my Easy. favorite Star Wars films, if not my favorite. But those are the ones, you know, those are the ones you say in the mirror for no reason. Right before you brush <laughs> yeah. your teeth in the morning. You know what I mean? Yeah, Charles. <laughs> some yeah, of we us, all do. Some of you're us. Right. You're right. <laughs> Watch your friend burn on the ground. You're just like, oh, I love you. Oh, you're my brother. Which I guess makes me want to ask you guys the, another big question. We're gonna. This is the heavier part. And then we'll go into light thing of you know exile, solitude, all those good things. Um, at this point in, in post Clone Wars, Revenge of the Sith happens. How much of his life do you think this Obi Wan, this this General Kenobi, Master Obi Wan, now having lost the entire order, how much does he actually regret at this point? Do you think? And how long do you think he carries that? Yeah, look at that face full of hope right at the beginning of that movie. And immaculate hair. <laughs> that hair, dude. <laughs> but, like, how does this man go in two hours to being the man screaming on Mustafar and losing everything? Like, where is he? Boy. I think, um, I think Obi-Wan was certainly affected by the council decision-making, I think, more so than others to some degree, mm. just because sure. he, he does have such strong values, right? So, like, you know, Obi-Wan was was asking the question about what is the Jedi's role in this, like, kind yeah. of before anybody was, right? And Yoda was, like, always very uh, Yoda about it. <laughs> I want to go kick some okay. ass. Okay. He speaks, in, like, he yeah. speaks <laughs> in riddles. He speaks in riddles. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he's that scene him, yeah. at the at the end of Attack of the Clones, where he's like, at least Obi Wan's like, at least we won the battle. And Obi Wan's like, or uh, or Yoda's something, so something like, we didn't win anything. You know what are you talking about? It's like, like what is he actually saying here? So yeah, I, I think Obi Wan certainly recognized the flaws of the Jedi more so than others. Which also like it makes you ask that what if question. What if Anakin had spoken to Obi Wan? You know about all this turmoil he was going through all that time. Like Obi-Wan could have helped him probably more yeah. so than anybody, but you know, Obi-Wan is the epitome of like, if you're going to drink, I'd rather you do it in the house. Like he is yeah. definitely that kind of, <laughs> He's a cool dad. Like, Hey guys, I <laughs> wish you wouldn't, but like, don't mix. Give me your keys. Like the, the, the scene in season seven where he goes, tell Padme, I said, hello. Like he's yeah. clearly mm. in it. And he, yeah, it asked that question, Corey. Not only what if Anakin had told Obi-Wan, but what if Obi-Wan had just been like, hey, man, let's have a drink. So you're married, right? Like, like what if he was like, <laughs> come on, bro. Like, Oh, my God. <clears throat> come on. <laughs> you know? He's just – Anakin's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Married? I know. What, what's marriage? What's a marriage? I don't know. She's a she's – a, she's, a, she's a senator. I can't uh, – <laughs> And I'm a Jedi. I'm a Jedi. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting, right? Because for as through and through of a Jedi as Obi-Wan is, you're right, Corey. He does you, – you can see the foundations like kind of cracking. And not to get too meta here, but oftentimes, even in real life, we have to ask ourselves, is it like the idea here that is crumbling or is it the, the people trying to lead the way yeah. with this idea, yeah. right? And right he definitely struggles with that. But the interesting aspect of it is that – he ends up still kind of following the lead and the plan of the grand master of that council, right? Like him and yeah. Yoda become it and they still work incredibly closely. And he oftentimes mm -hmm. defers to Yoda's decision-making and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that he 
decides to do that. He trusts Yoda, even though he was spearheading the entire thing that that kind of lost its way. Yeah, which then, of course, brings us to what we're going to get next week. Um, It just feels, again, feels good to say next week, Obi-Wan. This series where the order is gone and according to all the promo, Obi-Wan's number one directive, council member Obi-Wan, general Obi-Wan is hide. Hide. And it's like, how antithetical is all is that directive to Obi-Wan's entire life? Up till the not not bad writing, I'm saying as far as a character, how hard is that for him yeah. to be like, I need to now hide completely and not do yeah, anything sure. good or like how how impossible is that for this character? I'm sure it is. And and we see that it is in the closest story that we have right now in this exact moment before this series comes out in the Kenobi novel by John Jackson Miller. I mean, he can't just sit entirely by the wayside when things are going down around him because Legends Look Back Roundtable coming up on Thursday. Yes, please tune in. It's a fantastic book. But but he can't just sit by when things are are going wrong and he's not just gonna sit by in this series either. We've seen enough action shots in the trailers that we know he doesn't just sit literally shots he fires shots in action shots fired yes (laughs) um so so yeah you're right it is antithetical and you know to a degree he has to try to abide by that new directive because it's bigger than him it's bigger than whatever slight happens in front of him or whatever thing happens because he is hiding to protect the future of the galaxy but yeah. he still he has to step in when he feels like he can do that. Yeah. Yeah, perfectly said, Charles. Perfectly yeah. said. I love that. And I'm excited for those revelations that get us there and then of course lead into the final level, the Charizard of Obi-Wan if you will, which is uh <laughs> all my is, I, all my nerves are on I, end when you said that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. Uh <laughs> Yeah, the first we ever saw being the last in the timeline, right? Uh, Sir Alec Guinness defining this character, the first one that ever told us what a Jedi was, the first man to ever utter the words Clone Wars. Um, first guy I in mean, Star Wars to be referred to as a wizard. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very probably the, that crazy old man just a wizard or whatever he says. Probably the best, some of the best like one-liner-wise lines other than Yoda in any Star Wars film. Like the like Oh yeah. Who's who's more foolish? The fool or the one who follows him? Like those type the things throughout the, the Yeah. Yeah. Love and and, I, and what I love about this Ben Kenobi, right? Uh, this old Ben, what I love is his reflection on his entire life, which is also amazing because obviously in the real world when they were filming this, Alec Guinness didn't know anything we just said. Neither did George Lucas, frankly. And I think the mastery of that retroactive storytelling is really evident in his performance because you get the lines of like, and he was a good friend. And you see in his mm-hmm. eyes everything we just talked about, about him and Anakin. We hear the Clone Wars. We see all these bits. We see him seeing Vader again, seeing Luke again, who now we know he's been protecting for so many years. Yeah. Like, yeah. What is it about Ben Kenobi that you think kind of encapsulates all these decades of storytelling into this man now that is a crazy old man, but and he and he makes sounds about sand people and he finds Luke in the desert, but is still that man that was a Padawan, a master in general. I uh, I I love 
old Ben Kenobi, man. Like his scenes in in the first Star Wars film are uh, really near and dear to my heart. Like if I had to choose, yeah. like I don't know, like three or four scenes that if I'm trapped on a desert island and I'm I'm going to go crazy with madness, the one thing I have to do is is to watch like a couple minutes of Star Wars. Like I think I I really do think I would choose one of the scenes in there would be when he explains what the force is to Luke for the first time in, in his yeah. hut on Tatooine. Like he just is so utterly critical to the hero's journey of being the wise master that shows Luke the way is like, you just, he doesn't have to talk about his adventures in the Clone Wars, which hadn't been written yet because this right. movie was filmed in the seventies. Right. <laughs> like he doesn't have to talk about, how he left Anakin to die in a, a fiery, horrific, like horrific death, right? Like he, he doesn't have to say those things, right? Because that's just he carries that with him, and the way that he realizes what his mission is now—that his mission is to show Luke the way of the Force—but he also recognizes how important it is. But he doesn't just like shove it on him, right? It's like he kind of yeah. lets him come to it on his own, which is really profound teaching like he's almost learned his learned his lessons i guess from how he taught anakin you know so yeah i don't know they the old ben is the culmination of all the other ones or all the other obi-wans right? right like he is the uh he's what all of those resulted in you know so it's fascinating to me that he's not he wasn't destroyed by all the horrific stuff that's happened to him like he it made him a better Jedi in a lot of ways. Or, yeah. counterpoint, he had a heat stroke out there at some point. <laughs> also <laughs> possible. Counterpoint. Also possible. Obi-Wan. Well, and I, and I, I also love the little, you know, the little secret that we get. Of course I know him. <laughs> He's me. <laughs> He's me. <laughs> Speaking okay. of great single scenes and episodes. Um, <laughs> when we get that one episode of him in Rebels in Twin Suns, is one of my favorite episodes of Star Wars television, period. Uh, it's, a, it's a one-shot episode, essentially, mm-hmm. with old Ben Kenobi. And I, I don't want to spoil too much of what happens. I know Rebels isn't as widely watched as some others, but I highly recommend, even if you haven't watched it, just watch this episode. I think it can live on its own pretty well. Um, I love that he is like, I am affected by everything that's happened to me beforehand. I still have the skills I've had my entire life. <clears throat> I'm still sharp as I ever was. But you can see the years of conscious meditation and withdrawal from... The war, withdrawal from the council politics, from even the master-apprentice relationships, from everyone else. He's really just gotten to kind of bring himself to this point of absolute serenity that is almost maybe closer to what an ideal Jedi was, right? I mean, Wes, you said at the beginning of the episode, what you put in the description, he is the quintessential Jedi. And I Mm -hmm. think, as odd as it may sound, Ben Kenobi is actually the ultimate example of that. He's meditating all the time. He's listening. He's slow to action, is ready to help. But it's going to take a lot for him to do anything other than listen to the flow of the universe. And it's not until the new chosen one, Luke Skywalker, needs to be put on his path to save the galaxy that he activates. And I think that lesson of patience, which Anakin taught Obi-Wan in episode three, right? I say patience. It all came back. And I wonder how many times... Obi-Wan thought about that, about like mm. his father told me to wait. I'm going to wait. There's a, there's a line actually in the Anakin and Obi, or I think it's Obi-Wan and Anakin comic that, uh, that he says, um, skill is the child of patience. And I think we see 
that in this Obi-Wan, in that episode, exactly like you're saying, Eric, like all that time in the desert alone, we'd all probably, we'd all probably learn a lot about ourselves and probably become better people if we unplugged and did that. But he certainly did that. And that skill and that kind of becoming a true Jedi, or maybe that quintessential Jedi came from that Mm. patience and all that time. Yeah, I don't think it's accidental that George Lucas introduced us to Jedi. The first two Jedi we ever met, one was sequestered on Tatooine and one was sequestered on Dagobah. And it's two former warriors that just sat still for decades and listened to the universe. And George is like, this Mm -hmm. is the most powerful ones. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, That's (laughs) really interesting to think about. It yeah. is the only two that really survive, right? I mean, did anybody else? Is everybody else alive? As far as we know, Ahsoka. Well, I Mace guess, Windu. Ahsoka. Mace Windu for sure. Sith Lord. Fact that it was real. Sith Lord Jar Jar Binks. I guess he's still yeah. alive too, right? Yeah, but the two mains, yeah, the ones that carry on the legacy, and and you know, and Luke. Like eventually, you know, mm-hmm. he he sequesters Luke. like all the great Luke, Luke, um, like all the great. It's the weirdest impression that I do, and I, I gotta do it. It's so good. That was <laughs> spot really on. If you like looking so in the mirror good. and practice, that's impressive. That's why when Charles is doing his, my brother Anakin, I'm doing Baru. Um, but yeah, I think that, that there's no accident that the greatest Jedi, when they become great, they leave because look, I mean, look at this. It's Ewan and Mustafar. The, there's so much pain and anguish in the galaxy. And while you have to do what you can with it, sometimes pulling out resetting and listening is really how you figure out the next step. And I think Obi-Wan doing that to, to become old Ben is probably a reason why Luke was like, you know what? I probably got to go and listen for a few years and I got to go to Octo, you know? Right. And I think every Jedi, like the way all the way back to the way seekers in the higher Republic, like are listening to the force most earnestly. And I think mm-hmm. having Obi-Wan become this kid who was the perfect student to the hesitant master, to the friend, the brother, the general, the the man who suffered every loss imaginable, all he could think of doing was going to protect this boy, but in order to do that, he had to listen. And in doing so, he became one of like the three Jedi ever that learned how to become a force ghost. Like Yeah, it's true. He learned to become more powerful. <clears throat> what right? That's his line. Uh, the, you know, strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you ever imagined. Cause he knew. He's like, I yeah. did it. I talked to Qui-Gon. Like, how amazing that he did all of that, and we have witnessed it all, you know? You remember Qui-Gon, right? You remember Qui-Gon? <laughs> the totally canon Jedi in 77? So great. Qui-Gon. You knew him for, like, you knew him for, like, two days? Yeah. Like, in the first, you know? The one that actually saved your life, to be honest? Yes? Yeah. <laughs> but probably killed your mother? Hey. <laughs> uh-huh. Which then, of course, all around brings us, brings us to the moment on the Death Star, Right. The, yep. the decision to let himself be st- struck down by Vader, but also to then disappear into the Force and then mentor mm-hmm. Luke for the next couple movies and beyond, you know, to come up, like, he, his voice is heard when Rey touches the saber. Like, now he is in the Force. Um, one of the only Jedi that's powerful enough to do it. What does that say about his end? And, and, and for you, I will say, as a kid, what did that scene mean to you? And as an adult now... What does that scene mean to you when Obi-Wan looks at Luke and just puts the saber up? Because for me, it has changed. Oh, Oh, yeah. I didn't get it when I first saw it when I was younger. I still don't get it. I still don't fully get it, I guess. I mean, 
sacrificing himself while he knows that Luke is watching because he gave him the side eye and then just holds his saber up and then gets cut down by Vader. Is that supposed to spark something inside Luke to join the rebellion, to want to, you know, learn more about the force, maybe take what Obi-Wan had taught him and just start to be a Jedi? Does, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a murky. That's scene. hard to say. That's yeah. hard to say. That's a, that's a, that's a that's a hard wish list to to like go after because you could be wrong. He could be like, "Damn, Vader is strong. I don't want any part of this. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. Even I'm yeah. going to Dantooine. You know? it's- like, <laughs> I I think it. Uh, this is making me think about the Family Guy special where <laughs> no, that's where, what Luke, I've been about the whole time. where Luke defends the Force to Han Solo and and Han is just like, "Oh, you mean that thing you've known about for like 15 minutes?" But <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, I mean, I think it was Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. It was twofold. It was Obi Wan's final statement to Luke, at least of the flesh and bone world, uh, that <clears throat> this is how strongly I believe in this. Like, this is what this means to me. Mm-hmm. You're on the first steps of this path, but like. This is this is real, like all of it. Um, it was his way of making that statement, and I think he truly knew that he would actually be more helpful, more beneficial, leading Luke as like a spirit guide, if you will. Um, yeah. and, and so I think it accomplished sort of both of those things at the same time. I love that. I also, as you said that, I just <clears throat> thought for the first time, which is amazing, this movie's over 40 years old, I'm like, you know what? Um, <laughs> I think that there's also an element of him realizing that Anakin and Luke had to get to each other and he could not be the obstacle that stopped that growth. I think that him realizing he could guide Luke, but as long as he was alive, Vader was going to try to fight him and Luke was going to try to like kind of cower behind him. And I think he knew that Luke's path was going to the redemption of Anakin in that moment. And he, and he was like, you know what? I, I gotta, I'm going to step back. He finessed Vader, for sure. Like, oh, yeah. Like, all Vader wanted in that moment was to strike down Obi-Wan, and I guess there's some debate out there about this. I don't know how you guys feel, but he disappeared before that saber struck him, in, in my mind. Like, he yeah. was not killed yeah. in yes. that moment. Like, he let go. Yeah. Anakin was like, you cut off my legs and my arms. I just wanted to get a little cut. I just wanted one little bit. And <laughs> yeah, you were like, good, nope. That's a good point. I've never really considered that. Like, yeah. he does, like disintegrate he did that <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. that crazy that crazy force like force projection yeah. that uh luke skywalker is in where his vein was like coming out of his forehead you know yep. he's just like and then disappear you know? as a kid i thought the, i straight up i straight up as a kid thought the effects just weren't that good i'm like oh i guess they couldn't like make him die like that they was all i thought they couldn't show someone die on screen <laughs> they can't it's do still, that it still bothers me what what vader's lightsaber does though like like because obi-wan's lightsaber is still like up right like and he doesn't when like the lightsaber goes through him like that thing should have went like spinning right when he hit the yep. lightsaber they should have made still, contact and stuff but it doesn't the do force that. It's it still bothers he turned, me he, he turned it off <laughs> it still bothers the me force that like shut up shut the hell up <laughs> it still bothers me that obi-wan disappears and vader steps on the robes like checking to see if this was a honey i shrunk the kids moment i know like, <laughs> what, is, he, is he in there <laughs> like he's gone bro shrink? Like, yeah. Is he checking to see if he like turned to goo or something? I don't like, know what he's doing. <laughs> but it's obviously oh, a great final so many moment. Questions. And then, you know, and then you get and then you get him as as mentor again. And I think it's fun with with him in episodes five and six, which I gotta imagine Alec Guinness had no thought he was gonna be doing three movies. And I mm. love when he's in episodes five and six mentoring Luke again. It is like mentoring Anakin. 
It is the point of mm -hmm. like now he has a little bit of ability. Now I can I at least have something to work with. He knows what the force is. I can kind of try to talk to him. Like, what do you think Obi Wan's final thoughts after the original trilogy are? We're on Endor, right? Doing the party. Mm -hmm. It's Yoda, Anakin, and Obi Wan. Do you think he thinks all of this was worth it? Because he obviously he suffered so much. He dealt with so much. The galaxy went through so much. <clears throat> Do you think it's worth it in the end? To see, to see Luke in this series. Is that what you're asking? To see Luke. To see Luke, or or to see in the grander scheme. He's like I, you know, <laughs> I suffered through so much hardship, but now here we are. I mean, yeah. That that smile that we're showing on screen right now, that last look from Mel Guinness, he looks so kind of <clears throat> at peace. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think. Uh... I mean, he did accomplish what he set out to do, which was to save the Jedi Order, I guess, right? Like, to oh, save yeah. the concept of the Jedi, because he did. Yeah. I mean, he believed in Luke. That was his mission. And, uh, I mean, he did save them. You know, I I've all, I was always a little a little bothered, I guess. Obviously, they can't do it, because it's Alec Guinness. But I was always a little bothered by the fact that it was exclusively Yoda to Luke in uh, The Last Jedi. Right, like oh, because sure. I do feel like I do feel like oh yeah. Though Yoda was Luke's master, you know, and kind of taught him the nitty gritty ways of the Force, it was Obi Wan who introduced him to the Force and and set him down the path, right? And yeah, and like watched yeah. over him for a few decades, or yeah. no, like seventeen years <laughs> <laughs> to make yeah. sure he didn't get, die. Right? And get, yeah, you know, it was it was Obi Wan. It wasn't really Yoda in my opinion because so. of Obi Wan. Interesting, because yes. of Obi Wan. Well, That's a good point, Corey. I never thought about yeah. that. I think he's not just happy, though, to be looking at Luke and realizing everything was successful. Let's not forget that he's standing next to his redeemed student. I mean, Anakin is yeah. right there. So he his didn't, brother, yeah. he didn't just like save the Jedi Order, save the galaxy from the evil that was the Emperor Invader. He also he has his, <clears throat> his brother back in that moment. Yeah. And that's pretty <clears throat> incredible. And, yeah, and, and the student point. that he taught, Luke, brought on the redemption of his best friend that he had to basically, in his mind, kill. Because I, I think in that, you know, whether you want to talk about when does Anakin become Vader, when's the switch, whatever it may be, Obi-Wan still had to feel himself leave Anakin to die. And I think seeing that I took the steps, did what I had to do, and now it's, it's, it's fixed, essentially. I think that he's seeing... Qui-Gon in that moment. He's seeing Satine in that moment, and he's like, you know what? Anakin is back. Luke is going to be okay. And a life of sacrifice, a life of suffering, mm -hmm. is at the end a life of success and peace. And I love that we get there. And I guess as we're kind of... We're literally at the end of his life now. Looking mm -hmm. back on it, I just want to open it up very vaguely here. What's, what are some of your favorite moments? I mean, we've, he has so many that we've chatted about, but what are some when you think of Obi-Wan that just immediately pop in your head and you're like, God, this character is amazing. When he plays detective uh, in A New Hope, whenever the uh, Sandcrawler is, uh, I guess, uh, shot down. Oh, yeah. Has, he's, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like, blasters, these are too precise for, for sand people. And he's like, they always travel... Side by side, they don't travel side by side. They travel in a straight line to hide their numbers. Yeah, yeah. And you're like teaching you about these things. You're like, oh, you're right. 
I mean, you have to agree with him because you don't really know. He's yeah. giving you that information. It's exposition but through like, detective yeah. work, which is fun. It's like, oh, stormtroopers, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, if they can, if they got, if they broke into the sand crawler, they can track the droids back home, and then you know, yeah, it happens yeah. there. I mean, That's a great scene. He just made fun of his. I forget about yeah. that scene. That is a really, really good scene. That's a really it's one of the good best one. scenes, I think, between Luke and Luke and Old Ben. I've already said my my big one, which is yeah. the the scene in, in the in the hut with Luke. That probably stands out to me more than anything else. Yeah, I love that. Two old Bens. Uh, I, I mean, him. my favorite moment is the duel against Anakin. I, I mean, because yeah, it's for sure, it's just so incredible. But I mean, there's so many good moments. Like even we've talked so much about old Ben. You know what moment was just popped into my head? It's him when huh. he's when he's creeping around the Death Star in the hallways, and he literally has his hands up like a Scooby Doo cartoon, yeah. <laughs> and then and then he like. Inches around the little tractor beam, and he just goes, Ooh. Yes. <laughs> like, no, that's great. Well, thinking of Attack of the Clones, when he, when Obi Wan is just is strapped up, and he's like, "I was trying to save you, Master." Good job. Good job. <laughs> Smart ass. Always has a, always has a comeback. He, he has so many great little one-liners. And my yeah, favorite one that I still remember seeing in the theaters in The Phantom Menace is, I've told you guys this on the show before, after him and Qui-Gon jump out of that little like ventilation shaft when they escape their poisoning. And Qui-Gon had said earlier in the film that he expected the negotiations to be short. And he says, you were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short. I love that moment so much. Yeah, he has so much joy in him, and I think that that when that comes through, it's fun because he always seems like he he feels like he has to, especially in those younger years, as we said, keep up appearances, play by the book. Yeah, and then it does kind of crumble. And for me, I'm I'm gonna take a little a little cheat code here, and it's it's his descriptions in the Revenge of the Sith novelization that I love so much. And when Matthew Stover talks about this is Obi Wan Kenobi, and it's like he is an amazing pilot that hates flying. And mm-hmm. he's like, everything Obi-Wan... <laughs> Obi-Wan is amazing at so many things. And even if he doesn't like doing what he has to do, he will do it for the good of the Order. He will do it for Anakin. He will do it for those he loves. And he is a man that wants to listen to the serenity of the galaxy, and the <clears throat> galaxy has hit him over and over and over. He is a man that sees how corrupt the Jedi Order can be, and yet he's on the Council. And he knows that he can affect change only if he is within the Council and within the system, and tries to be a good master, even though he knows it's flawed. And I think at the end, with him being old Ben Kenobi, he is a man that all he's ever wanted is to see Luke Skywalker grow up and become a Jedi, and his final act as a physical man is to consciously choose to die and miss out on that. And I think it just shows that Obi-Wan, no matter what, is going to make the right choice, regardless of how it affects him personally. And that level of selflessness and that level of care for all others is what sets him apart from anyone. And I think is the reason we have this week is a reason we're getting this show and a reason why he is just always going to be a legendary character in the history of Star Wars. And I love him. And I love him a lot. Uh, we're going to get more of him. And we're going to get more. A whole lot more. Oh, yeah. Disney Plus. No. <laughs> All right. Um, any, uh, I mean, gosh, any final thoughts on Jedi Master, General, Old, and Padawan, Obi-Wan Kenobi? 
<laughs> can we? Uh, Corey, did you have a final thought on the? You had a little Easter the egg for the audience. You were talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about this. We were talking about uh, <laughs> right before the show started. I was like. <laughs> Do you guys remember that that old Obi Wan kids book? And they're like, you're not more specific. And I was like, you know, it's the one where he's on the cover doing this, and he's like holding the lightsaber, and he's like, and they, they were like, what the <laughs> hell are you no talking way I'm about? Find that. What are you There's talking no about? Way I'm gonna find and that. I'm like, and it was literally three minutes before the show went live, and I jumped in, I jumped in our company Slack, and I, I did a like a an at everyone basically call or whatever, and I was like, hey guys, what was the what was the book like? They had Obi Wan doing this thing, he was holding the lightsaber. It was a kids book, and Jared immediately was like, oh yeah, that's the last of the Jedi, and here's the book cover, <laughs> last of the Jedi, Jude Watson. And uh, I wanted to say I wanted to say that uh, I read this book at a young age, and I don't know when I actually read it. And uh, I had this flash into my mind. <laughs> the entire Utini brand is kind of built around the idea that I read Invincible by Troy Denning first. And I actually, I wonder it maybe if it was this one. It depends on the nope. it depends on the dates of the publication. Corey? You're not supposed to talk about this. I'm not, I'm not supposed to talk it. about it. I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to change it. I'm going to say that Invincible is the first one that I read, but like. Like, I forgot that this book even existed, and for some right. reason, talking about Kenobi Week reminded me that this ex- – like, he, he fights a teenage <laughs> Boba Fett in this book, I think. Like, yeah. he's, like, flying around, and Boba Fett kicks his ass. He's, like, 15 or something like that. And I don't know. It's it's a really interesting book, and uh, it's a lot of fun, and I cannot believe that that was somewhere in my brain, and it just came to me three minutes before <laughs> the show started. <laughs> well, and I love all – obviously, our friends on London's Look Back go into these books. I think they've done actually roundtables on Jedi Apprentice before. But like the Jedi Apprentice, Jedi Quest, and then these books all focus on a younger Obi-Wan. And I think there's no accident that all the – there's so many young reader books about Obi-Wan. Because if you have a kid that's reading about Star Wars, who do you want them to look up to? It's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like mm. it, it, even as a kid, he's, he's going through all these trials. Even if he falls Pong down, Krell. like Pong Krell. That, oh, second only <laughs> to Obi-Wan, of course, naturally. <laughs> But I think that's so much fun that all these old Legends books used to feature the young Obi-Wan because they're like, one, he's got the he's got the cool hairstyle with the rat tail. I mean, come on. You, you yeah. can't get away from that. <laughs> that yeah. was big time that in the early time. 90s, man. Yeah, we loved the <laughs> Charles, oh, what? Yes. I'm flexing, I'm flexing my Scholastic Jedi Apprentice number one and two here. Yes. <laughs> Great fun. Well, I will say, if we're, go to a Scholastic book fair and get those. They still have they, those, right? Do they still do Scholastic? I hope they no, do. No, um, absolutely not. I, if we are plugging obscure books they that involve no, they totally Obi-Wan. do. That's still a thing. I'm pretty Is sure. It? Are they? I'm pretty dang sure. I've seen I've seen that on TikTok. I'm pretty sure that's still a thing. I hope. So. Right. I'm gonna Google that. I'm gonna Google that right yeah. now. It's on reels. You saw it on reels. Don't be <laughs> Instagram reels. Let's be, let's be straight. Find the answer. I want to plug another obscure book that I've talked about several times on this podcast, and you you may even guess what this is already. But it's the Cestus Deception. <laughs> Guys, if yes. you like Obi-Wan, if you're looking for a book and you're like, no, I've read all the mainstream stuff. I've read Kenobi. I've read Master and Apprentice. <clears throat> Cestus Deception. I'll, I, I cannot recommend this highly enough. Somebody out there, read this book and tell me you also like it. Please. <laughs> Anyone. <laughs> mentioned, please. mentioned in Revenge of the Sith. So that's mentioned in... They want to. They want you to read. Everybody's read *Revenge of the Sith*, right? I mean, I've read it months ago. <laughs> months ago, <laughs> oh, <you got> <laughs> years, literally years. <laughs> Not at all. Like two weeks ago. Not at all. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, there's plenty of Obi Wan content coming out. Luckily for us, there's so much more coming this week. There's so much more coming. If you enjoyed our talk today on Obi Wan, thank you first of all for tuning in. On Wednesday night, make sure you check out the Cosmic Force because they are going over from the journals of Obi Wan Kenobi the comic, the trade. <clears throat> 
um, that had old Ben's journals that looked past towards some past adventures of Obi-Wan. They're excellent. And of course, frankly, the most famous book about Kenobi. Kenobi by John Jackson Miller is finally getting the full Utini Roundtable treatment on Thursday with our Legends Look Back crew. And Wes, I know I said it earlier, I got a little hyperbolic, <laughs> but it has been a difficult journey to get to game nights on Friday. So tell us, yes. folks, what we got to get to. Okay, so here's, here's my journey so far. <laughs> I, drove, I drove an hour and a half to my duck lease in Matagorda, Texas. I picked up two Xboxes to make sure, just to see if one didn't work, of course, the second one's going to work. And then I drove back the hour and a half on Saturday, and I put in the disc for Obi-Wan. It's just Obi-Wan. Star Wars Star Obi-Wan. Star Wars Obi-Wan. Xbox. Original Xbox game. Yes, Never played it before. I insert the disc, and it gives me the disc read error. Cannot read. If it's an audio disc, you know, clean it and put it back in. And so I tried multiple times. I did the toothpaste trick where I put toothpaste all on top of the, on top of the disc, let it dry, Wiped it all off, put it into the Xbox, did not work. I still got a couple more things that I do. Uh, good friend of ours from the show told me to put it in the toilet and flush it, so I'm going to do that whenever <laughs> whenever we finish with the show. But I'm going to try super hard to get Star Wars Obi-Wan, original Xbox game, to play Friday night at 7 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time. All right. Sorry, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, real t- Central, the real time. Let's not be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I love that game so much. I'm so excited for you. And of course, Sunday, our, our buddies Jose and Trev are releasing some Obi-Wan content for our patrons over on the Star Wars Archives. And we do have a little surprise that's going to be releasing on Sunday. I'm just going to let it happen. Stay tuned to the YouTube channel. Uh, there's something coming up Obi-Wan related from the four of us. But overall, can't imagine a better character to start this off with. I'm so glad to kick off this Kenobi week with all of you guys. And... um. I mean, next week we'll be missing Corey because Corey, what are you, what are you doing this week? I am uh, so Saturday of this week. Uh, I am flying to California. Notice behind me that my furniture <laughs> is like all taped up. Look at this. My, Never Emi- noticed. I know Emily. Emily asked me in <laughs> the chat trash. earlier what what the hell is going on in my room, and it looks like I'm, I'm in a garbage room, like this plastic. All my furniture is all around me is taped up. I've insisted I have empty boxes all around me so I can put all my computer <laughs> stuff literally away after the show tonight. Like literally, I got to pack all this stuff up because we are going to California for celebration. We're going a couple days early. On Saturday, and we're driving up to Santa Barbara for a day. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And uh, but then we're, I'm coming home, and I'm moving to Asheville, North Carolina. The day that I come home, my flight leaves at 9 a.m. We're meeting a moving truck like later that day. It's insane, absolutely oh insane. God. It's gonna be a miracle if I'm able to make the show the day after celebration, <laughs> if we have one that Monday. So I'm gonna do everything in my power to make that happen, though. Even if I have to do it from like a laptop or a laptop. I'll do it from my phone. I'll just like hold my phone up and be there like, "Hey, go. everybody, welcome to the show." <laughs> but uh, it's wait. chaos. It's kind of chaos right now. But uh, it's all in service of Star Wars Celebration, which is almost here. So close. That's right. So for Star Wars Celebration, of course, we will be putting out all the coverage that we can. We'll have written content. We'll have, obviously, tweets on the main account. And all of us follow us individually. Those that are there will be tweeting stuff out. And, uh, I mean, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be amazing. Uh, next week's show, though, will be your final Star Wars Celebration guide from us. We'll go through what panels we're excited for, when they are, um, a little more specific stuff so that all of you that we're going to be seeing in Anaheim can get ready, and all of you following along at home can kind of keep a schedule of when uh, of when to get on Twitter and when, when to take that bathroom break and check Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, we'll, we'll let you know when all the big stuff is going to be coming along. It'll be a great time, but uh, 
for now, this was Kenobi Week. Charles, I, uh, I want to give you the last word here. Livis, your last thoughts on your, your man, your guy, your absolutely legendary fixture, Obi-Wan Kenobi. We finished the first episode. Give him a proper send-off. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I, I just want to reiterate, I think we should all be a little bit more like Obi-Wan. Maybe we shouldn't all wear robes like Obi-Wan. They open surprisingly easily for a celibate monk. <laughs> oh, no I just kidding. Want to say. That, that, that's still a maybe. That's just a maybe. Uh, anyways, um, no, Obi-Wan, I think, is one of the strongest characters in all of Star Wars. His development is second to none. He is someone who is this constant touch point through all of the trilogies, honestly. Um, so much of Star Wars content has a wonderful presence in the books. I'm so happy that we are finally getting this story on Disney+. Plus. I'm on pins and needles. I know we all are to, to get this thing kicked off. And I cannot think of a better way to get ready for that show to drop than to tune into all the things that Utini has going on later this week. And, uh, and going to celebration, guys. I hope you have a wonderful time of celebration. Um, Obi-Wan is my hero. Obi-Wan should be all of our heroes. And if he was here right now, what would he say? How would he close this episode? I think he might say something along the lines of, the Force will be with you always. Well, that'll do it, my friends. That's it for this first ever Kenobi Week episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you so much. You are the reason we're able to put out all of this content that we love. If you want to join the community, head over to utini.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash utini today. A special thank you to OK Endar, Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council. When you use Obi-Wan, I don't know who. And Elizabeth Cloutier, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Corey M. Helton. Charles is at C. Hankel. Wes is at Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor. Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire. And Wes, our producer and community manager. And Obi-Wan Disc Toothpaste Applier. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Wes for podcasting with me tonight. Thanks to the spirit of Obi-Wan for being with us all the time. All of you for watching. And as always, may the force be with you. Always. There is no hatred, there is joy. There is no division, there is union. There is no apathy, there is passion. There is no gatekeeping, there is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember... The Force will be with you, always.